Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about extensor tenosynovitis. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. All right, so the first thing, like, what exactly does that mean? Well, all these medical terms that you hear, like extensor tenosynovitis, they all sound very long and they sound, you know, very technical or important. But I think that's because most doctors just want to charge you by the syllable. So extensor, it refers to extend or to pull up and straighten. So if you make a fist and then you straighten out your fingers, you're extending your fingers. And then the tendons that actually allow that to happen on the back of your hand, those are the extensor tendons. So if you look at your hand, you get a fist to pull in your hand all the way up, you can see these lines on the back of your hand. Those lines are actually the extensor tendons that extend your fingers or pull them up. On the top of the foot, you have the same thing. The extensor tendons on the top of the foot actually pull your toes upward away from the ground and help you extend your toes uh, when you're swinging through, as your foot swings underneath you, obviously you have to move your toes out of the way so you don't trip over them, and the extensor tendons pull them up. Well, tenosynovitis refers to the tendon sheath around those tendons. So on the top of your ankle, the extensor tendons go up through uh, a little tunnel called, underneath this thing called the retinaculum, which is a band of tissue or a couple of bands of tissue that keep the tendons from bow stringing or pulling away from the front of your ankle when you pull your toes up and you swing your foot underneath you when you're walking. So that tendon sheath is supposed to decrease friction. So again, the tendons are sliding underneath this band of fibrous tissue. And if they didn't have a tendon sheath around them to protect them, those tendons gliding back and forth under that fibrous band of tissue would actually become abraded and basically wear out and break over time. So anatomically, you have this structure called the tendon sheath that's supposed to protect it. So the tendon sheath is basically a tube that just goes around the curve underneath the retinaculum, and then the tendons glide through that. The sheath itself is really simple. You have a fibrous outer tube that is through there, right, where the tendons slide through there, and then you have soft, squishy tissue on the inside of it called synovial tissue, which makes the synovial fluid that lubricates the tendon sheath. So when you have the tube sliding through there with this lubricating fluid, same lubricating fluid that's inside your joints and your knees and uh, lubricating the inside of your knees so that they'll move with less friction, well, the tendon glides through that very easily and, and without any friction and without any irritation, and it doesn't get abraded or worn out over time because it's protected by the tendon sheath. So the word extensor means to extend. Tenosynovitis means inflammation because itis is inflammation. So tino is for the tendon, and then the synovitis or you know tenosynovitis, synovitis, whichever way you want to call it, is inflammation of the synovial tissue, the soft squishy tissue that lines the inside of the tendon sheath that makes the synovial fluid inside the tendon sheath that allows the tendon to glide. So although it sounds really like some huge thing happened to you, it's not really that big of a deal. You just have some inflammation of the tendon sheath that surrounds the tendons on the top of your foot, the extensor tendons. Basically what happens, you know, is that you get this problem from a number of things. The, the most common thing is overuse. When you get inflammation of a tendon sheath injury, it's usually because you uh, work the tendons too hard. This happens a lot with the perineal tendons. But with the extensor tendon, it really doesn't happen that much unless you're doing lots of hill repeats. So if you're running uphill and you have to pull your foot upward, you have to swing forward and pull hard with your toes to run up a steep slope over and over and over or if you're doing lots of really long, continual long climbs, like let's say you um, decide for fitness, you're gonna run up Pike's Peak uh, on a regular basis in order to build fitness because you're running uphill for a very, very long time when you do that. 
Well, running up Pikes Peak over and over, you can certainly get extensor tenosynovitis because when you run up the slope, your foot has to pull up further to not hit the ground as you swing through in the swing phase of gait where you're, you know, one foot's on the ground, the other one's swinging forward and your toes pull upward. And if you're running uphill, it has to pull up even harder to skip that and miss the ground. So as you go through the gait cycle, when you're running uphill, you can certainly get overuse six, you know, in some sense of the extensor tendons, but it's not the tendons that get injured. It's the inside of the tendon sheath that becomes inflamed and that's what causes pain. So the most common way to get it though is actually from messing up or uh, tying your shoelaces. That may sound stupid, but well, maybe it is stupid, but I did it myself. So I guess that would make me stupid for doing it. But what I did was I was actually in residency and I was doing the Salt Lake City Marathon and I wanted a new PR. I'd been training hard. I'd been, you know, running through the winter. I ran when it was snowing. I ran when it was freezing. I actually had icicles hanging off the brim of my hat one time, which was brutal, but I, I did really want to run fast this day. So the race is actually a great race. It starts um, up on this uh, sort of on a slight elevation near, it's called the bench, but it's basically sort of way up above the valley. So for miles, you're running more or less downhill. Uh, not hard, steep downhill, but just downhill enough to make it really easy to run fast. So I was super excited about this. I was all ready. I was kind of nervous, truthfully. And so, you know, before the gun went off, I was basically like, I kind of felt like my laces were too loose and I kind of tightened them a little bit. And I was standing around and then felt like they were a little too tight, so I loosened them a little bit. And then I tightened them and I loosened them. I must have done this half a dozen times, but then I was like trying to get them just right and I was kneeling down and I heard, you know, the gun goes off. So of course, that's it. I just like cinched them up and off I went. And I was running and, you know, no big deal. I mean, I was doing great. I was like, you know, I thought this is great. Temperature was perfect. Everything was good. I was running along, everything was going fine. And about eight miles into the race, I started realizing that I had this vague aching sensation on the top of my foot, like right in the middle of my foot on the top. Well, I kind of figured my laces were too tight. So, but of course I like, I looked at my garment, I was on pace and I was like, well, this is just gonna have to hurt a little bit. I mean, I'm on pace, so I'm not gonna stop and tie my shoes, right? That'd be crazy. So I didn't. Well, to make a long story short, the race goes down, then you go through the valley and you go down through Liberty Park, heading back to town. And at that point, you're only a few miles from the finish. And at that point, going through Liberty Park, I still remember like it suddenly felt like every single time my foot hit the ground, it felt like a hammer hitting my foot. It was brutally painful. And so I did not PR. Uh, and then I could barely walk for several days. And it hurt so bad that a few days later, I ended up injecting it with corticosteroids to make the inflammation in the tendon sheath go down. But I remember, and I actually thought I was nuts, that uh, evening uh, or the next day, I don't truth remember if it was that day or the next day, when I would move my toes up and down slowly, I could feel this sort of squeaking sensation where the tendons were going into the tendon sheath. And I swear I thought I could hear it. But I'm like, there's no way you could hear the tendon sheath squeaking. That doesn't make any sense. So I actually, I thought that I could hear it, but you know, I thought there's no way. Well, since that time, I've seen three different runners. And when I examine them and I put my fingers against their toes and I have them pull up and I check to see if it's the extensor tendons, they actually, I have heard the tendon sheath and the tendons squeaking, making this like little sort of, you know, very mild squeaking noise when they move them. And of course, the runner looks like they're in a huge amount of pain when they do that because you're moving the tendons through that swollen tissue and it hurts because the tube is the same size. The fibrous tendon sheath has not changed, but the tissue on the inside, when it swells, it swells up. It can only swell inward. So the internal diameter of the tube is much, much smaller at that point, but it's smaller because it's now lined with very inflamed swollen tissue that has lots of nerve endings in it. And then when the tendon gets forced through there, moving back and forth, 
Well, that hurts because it's pulling on that inflamed swollen tissue with a lot of friction because it's compressed. And when you do that and you can actually hear it squeaking, that's not a good thing. So that's what extensor tenosynovitis is in short, is that it's inflammation of the tendon sheath within that fibrous tube. So you have to do something to address it. You have to do something to get rid of it. And so through this, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the things you can do, some of the things to think about. Um, I mean, I have a whole course that you could look at, but you don't need that. This will help most people just looking at this, you know, hearing what I have to say here will help you really decide what you can do now and what you can do on your own without seeing anybody right now. And if you need more help, you can get the course, but I don't, you know, most people are not going to need that. So now that you know what it is, let's talk about what you as a runner have to do. So the way I think about this with every runner I see, I look at them and I say, okay, this is a runner who has pain. The runner wants to run. They want to get back to their event. They want to do the race this weekend or next month or in October or whatever it is. And they want to make sure that they can run. So best case scenario is you get it to go away very quickly. You have no problem, no long-term difficulties, and no chance of a recurrent injury because you didn't treat it adequately enough. So that's the best case scenario with this is that you can get it to calm down and heal very quickly on your own uh, and then get back to running right away. That's the best case scenario. Now, the flip side of that is with every runner, you have to think about what is the worst case scenario. For example, the Achilles tendon, totally different tendon, totally different risk factors, and totally different long-term problems if you don't treat it appropriately. With an Achilles tendon injury, the worst case scenario is that you rupture it, you completely rip it and tear it, and don't notice right away that you actually tore it. And then when you have surgery to put it back together, you have to shorten the Achilles tendon, and then you're never the same. And then you wind up with a whole host of other injuries later because you have a super tight Achilles tendon that's stiff and non-compliant, non-pliable, um, more rigid, whatever you want to call it, because you had neglected it and had to have surgery. In that case, you're never going to run the same. So this is not that kind of thing. So with extensor tenosynovitis, you have to consider the best case scenario, you get it to calm really quickly. The worst case scenario, well, what happens? Well, the worst case scenario is it continues to hurt. So I've never heard of a runner rupturing the extensor tendons on the top of the foot because they continue to run. So let's say you did a long run, your shoes were too loose or they were too tight or something. If they're too loose and you're sliding downhill, basically your shoe is getting banged by the top of your foot when you stop because the shoe stops and your foot slides and the top of your foot smacks into the tongue. and then you can get extensor tenosynovitis because you've been basically banging the extensor tendons over and over and over and over. You can also get it because your laces are too tight. The laces are squeezing down on top of the extensor tendons and then as the toes try to move and the extensor tendons kind of move slightly through those shoelaces, they get basically compressed and abraded with a lot of friction that, that squeezes the extensor uh, tendon sheath and the synovial tissue inside it and it gets flared up. So, you know, the best case scenario is it calms down quickly, but let's say you just did it. Let's say you did it training for a race and let's say it's Thursday and on Sunday you have a big race. You're doing Leadville or you're doing Western States 100 or you have the New York City Marathon or the Boston Marathon or something and you're really excited about that event and you do not want to miss that event. You've been training your tail off, you're really ready for it, you feel super fit, you just have an achy foot and you have pain on the top of your foot and you think you have extensor tenosynovitis. You think that that's your problem. You're pretty sure it's not a stress fracture but you're sure, you're convinced for some reason, that you just have extensor tenosynovitis. Well, if you're sure it's not a stress fracture and you're sure it is extensor tenosynovitis, well, then the worst case scenario is that it's gonna hurt. Well, big deal, right? You hurt every time you do mile repeats. You hurt every time you do hill repeats. You hurt every time you do a long run. So if it hurts so much you can't run, that's a problem. But the main point here is that 
you don't have the same risk that you would have with some other injuries, like if you had a, an Achilles tendon tear or a posterior tibial split or some other things that are high risk where you can make it so much worse you never run again. Not the case here. So when you're thinking about whether or not you're gonna do a race with this problem, you have to figure out what the best case scenario is, try to pursue that, but also be aware of what the worst case scenario is. Because if you have an event that you really wanna do, knowing the worst case scenario tells you whether or not you could do the race. So if you're willing to do the race and suffer a little bit, you can probably do some things to calm the inflammation down, do some things to take the pressure off of it, and then do your race without any serious problems. So that's what you have to think about when you're considering the worst case scenario for any kind of injury if you wanna run your race. So the next thing to think about is why doctors misdiagnose you when you have extensor tenosynovitis, because this happens a lot. So the most common thing is that the doctors misdiagnose you with something like a stress fracture, because stress fractures, you know, the bones are right under the extensor tendons. So extensor tendons run right across the metatarsal bones in the foot. They're very close together. And so sometimes when the doctor just hears your story and you know, you've been ramping up and then it was really that your shoelaces were too loose or too tight or something like that, or you were doing hill repeats, but they hear that you've been fine, you've been running for a long time, and then you know, without adding tons of mileage or something, you just had one day when it started to ache and started to hurt, and then it got progressively worse. And that sounds a lot like a stress fracture. Stress fractures are more common than extensor tenosynovitis, so the doctor assumes that's what it is, and maybe they don't even look at your foot, which would be more likely that they'd make a misdiagnosis, but maybe they do look at your foot. Maybe they look at your foot, they're in a hurry, but they kind of poke around and they push on what they think is your fourth metatarsal, but they're actually pushing on the soft tissue because the soft tissue is underneath the skin and over the bone. So when they push on the skin and push down on the bone on your fourth metatarsal and you have pain, they say, okay, well, there you go. You have pain on that metatarsal. Your story sounds like a stress fracture. It looks like a stress fracture. You have a stress fracture, but you don't. You actually have extensor tenosynovitis because they pushed on the extensor tendon at the same time. So they need to be careful and diligent about you know, which structure they're pushing on, how they're doing it, how they're stressing it, and do some little tricks to basically stress that particular structure individually to make the right diagnosis. Because if you get a, a doctor who tells you you have a stress fracture of the fourth metatarsal, you probably don't want to run 100 miles on that because you could break it, you know. You could try, but if you break it, that's not a good thing. So if you have extensor tenosynovitis though and you run on it, it may hurt, but it's not gonna kill you, it's not gonna break. So it's not as big a deal but it's really important to figure out whether or not you might have been misdiagnosed. If you have, then you have to do something about it. There is a way that you can tell yourself. You know, if you do your own self-diagnosis, if you really know how to push on each of these structures, you really know what to not push on at the same time so that you don't confuse things. You, know, you don't wanna push on two structures at once and you push on them in the right place and you apply a little extra tension with the right technique, then it'll help you determine whether or not you actually have extensor tenosynovitis or maybe a stress fracture instead, or if it's um, arthritis or inflammation of the joint underneath the extensor tendon in the midfoot, like the metcuneiform joints or something like that. But you have to make sure that you just check that one individual structure. And the way doctors do it, it's really not that complicated. We wanna pretend like, oh, well, I mean, I spent 13 years in uh, school after high school with, between college and medical school and residency and all that. So I want you to believe that everything is just totally complicated and you have to be some kind of wizard to figure it out, but that's just not the way it is. It's actually pretty simple. If your story sounds like extensor tenosynovitis and then you look at it yourself or your doctor looks at it and you're able to push on all the structures individually in the right way to determine that for sure it's just that one problem, well then you can make the diagnosis yourself. So it's not that complicated and it's not that difficult. 
So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back and I'm explain more about the signs and symptoms and then some of the other things to think about when you have extensor tenosynovitis. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You know, I have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the signs and symptoms of extensor tenosynovitis because that's part of what helps you determine what the real deal is. So signs and symptoms are what doctors refer to about that give indications of a problem. For example, if you have a cough, the fact that you're coughing is a sign that there's a problem. If you cough and it hurts, well, that's a symptom. You know, you're having pain when you cough. So what it does to you is the symptom and what you see or can report in terms of something changing is a sign. For example, if you break a bone, like if you break your femur, that's an easy one. So if you break your femur, the largest bone in your leg, and it's unstable and it feels like it has a hinge in the middle of it, well, that's a sign that you've broken your femur. If you have a huge bruise under the skin, that's also a sign that you have a broken femur because the bone cracked and bled under the skin. If you have pain in your thigh or in your femur, well, that's a symptom of a broken femur. So you have all these different things that are signs and symptoms, and it helps you figure out whether or not you might have that problem. Because those things are really helpful when you're trying to determine, well, could it be a stress fracture? Could it be arthritis? Um, could it be extensor tenosynovitis? Like, which of these things is it? So if you're trying to figure out which one it is, you have to think about the signs and symptoms. So I'm going to explain a little bit about that. So when you have extensor tenosynovitis, you get swelling in the tendon sheath and the tube around the tendon, but it's just inflammation. It's just fluid that has expanded the synovial tissue inside the sheath. You didn't rip anything, you didn't tear anything. There's almost never any bleeding. So that's the most important thing. If you have a lot of bruising on your foot, if your foot's really bruised, you ripped, you tore, you broke, you did something, you caused some kind of significant tissue damage, enough that you actually tore the blood vessels in that tissue and it bled under the skin, which you see as a bruise. So if you have bruising in your foot, it is unlikely that it's extensor tenosynovitis. It's much more likely that you had trauma where you dropped a rock on your foot, which of course you would remember, um, or well, maybe you drank a, a gallon of whiskey and you dropped a frozen turkey on your foot. But most runners don't drink gallons of whiskeys, you know, so I think it's unlikely. But you could have trauma and that would explain the bruise. But if you had no trauma, if you're just training, you're running, you're doing hill repeats, you're doing mile repeats, you're running on trails, you're doing whatever, 
and you get pain on the top of your foot and it's really debilitating, you can barely walk, but you have no bruising at all, it's unlikely that you would have a stress fracture. Because if you get a stress fracture, particularly if it's a really bad one where you crack the surface of the bone, the bone bleeds. And when the bone bleeds, you get a bruise. So with the foot in general, if you have really bad bruising, and you don't have any trauma, it's basically a fracture until proven otherwise. So your doctor or any doctor is going to look at it and be concerned that you might have a fracture when you have tons of bruising. But that doesn't happen with extensor tenosynovitis. So if you have lots of pain and the pain's on the top of the foot, it's kind of swollen, then that's a sign that you've got extensor tenosynovitis. Also, if you actually look at the extensor tendons and it's very difficult to find them, and you have a lot of swelling on your foot, that's also a sign of extensor tenosynovitis. So when you get lots of swelling on the foot that uh, surrounds the extensor tendons, but you don't have any swelling in the toes or uh, at the joints of the metatarsal phalangeal joints where the toes connect to the foot, well, the location of that swelling helps you because it really suggests more that you have extensor tenosynovitis because if you get a stress fracture, the, the position of the swelling is different. So that's another one of those things we kind of explain in more detail in the course, but you know, you can look at your foot and tell. You can compare one foot to the other. You can see how much swelling you actually have in the foot. And if you have a lot of swelling but no bruising, could be extensor tenosynovitis. So you just have to think about all the things that can seem like extensor tenosynovitis, you know, that are, you know, pain around the tendons, swelling around the tendons, but no bruising. And if you have bruising, probably not extensor tenosynovitis. So that's one of the things you really got to think about. Now, so what do you do, right? So that's what runners always ask me. They'll call and they say, okay, well, I got extensor tenosynovitis. What do I do? What's the first thing I can do? And the, truthfully, with all runners, you've got to heal as quickly as possible. So I, above all else, want you to run. However, I also want you to run as quickly as possible without this going on. So if you have extensor tenosynovitis and you just ignore it, it's going to go on for a long time because the tendons are never going to get a chance to calm down. So the problem with that is that it's not like it's going to rupture, but your running is going to be miserable. You're not going to run as fast as you possibly could. It's distracting you. It's annoying you. And in somewhere in the back of your mind, you're going to be concerned that this could get way worse, or maybe I'm making a problem worse, or maybe I'm going to break something, because you don't really know. You're not 100% clear on what the problem is, and you're not really sure that you're not going to make it worse. So that's the thing, is you got to do like something as quickly as possible to try to calm it down. The other thing is that if your problem is arthritis in the joint and you do something like apply ice, it doesn't really improve it that much, but it will make the, the extensor tendons improve a lot faster because they're close to the skin, whereas the joints are right in the middle of your foot. They're deep down in there and the joints are kind of insulated from the surface of the skin with all of that tissue. So if you ice it and you get it to calm down, then it'll improve really quickly. It's not that complicated. You know, the first thing you have to do is, you know, it's itis, it's inflammation. So it's a problem where you have too much inflammation in the tendon sheath surrounding the tendons. You just have to calm the inflammation down. So the way that you do that's really simple. You know, ice, contrast baths, compression socks, elevation, all the stuff that we think about in terms of reducing inflammation will really make a huge difference. So, you know, if you have compression socks, wear them, sleep in them, elevate your feet, get them way up above your head. Do something to help push that fluid out, and gravity will help push the fluid out. If you're combining the force of gravity by having your feet up, you know, in the legs up the wall pose, having them way up on the wall while you're laying on your back for 15 minutes, and you're wearing compression socks, which squeezes your foot and pushes that fluid out, that will help. Just don't use compression sleeves. If you have compression sleeves or compression socks that actually have a foot section which isn't very tight, then the, the tight part at your ankle and calf can kind of squeeze the leg and actually hold some of that fluid in and make it worse. So if you wear compression socks, just make sure that they're tight enough to push all that fluid out. 
But if you do that, if you really ice it or you do contrast baths and you elevate and you use compression socks and you really protect it and you don't irritate it with shoes that you know constrict and have laces cranking down on top of those extensor tendons, it will calm down really quickly. So if you do the right stuff initially, just trying to remove the inflammation, it may improve right off the bat. If it doesn't improve, then you might go see a doctor, right? So it's important to know what to expect when you go to the doctor. So if you go to a doctor, first of all, the doctor is going to tell you to do all the stuff I just told you to do. So there you go, free lesson. So uh, no copay, no nothing. Those are the things the doctor is going to do to tell you to start with on day one. Now, if you don't get better, the doctor is going to tell you to do some other stuff. So the next thing they might do is fit you with a fracture walking boot. The idea there is that you know you're moving the foot, toes are moving up and down every time you take a step, and that motion of the tendons gliding back and forth through the extensor tendon sheath under the retinaculum when you walk is aggravating and irritating them. The idea is they stick you in a boot, it locks you up, you can't move, you're not moving the tendons at all, and because there's no motion, they'll start to calm down faster. Of course, the doctor can also charge you for a fracture walking boot and probably bill your insurance company hundreds of dollars for that thing, but you don't necessarily need it. So, you know, you could try it and it may help some, but that's not really a great solution for you. I mean, I've talked about this a hundred times. It's like when you use a fracture walking boot, you get weaker, you get stiffer, you lose your neuromuscular connections, and then you're at risk of all kinds of other training injuries later because you are weaker, stiffer, and uncoordinated. So you don't want to spend any more time in the boot than you have to. If you do it for only a couple of days just to treat it aggressively initially, that's okay. But I'm not a fan of putting people in fracture walking boots for several weeks just to see if it'll calm down the extensor tenosynovitis. So be aware of that. The other thing that doctors will do is they'll give you prescriptions. They may tell you to take ibuprofen. Uh, they may give you a prescription for some other kind of anti-inflammatory drug. I'm not a huge fan of those for lots of different reasons I've talked about in other episodes. But the thing that they may do that might help the most if they're going to do it is to inject it. So when we inject the tendon sheath, we inject a mixture of local anesthetic and corticosteroids. So corticosteroids basically stop inflammation. Now there's a risk and a benefit to everything. Of course, nothing for medicine is, is free. So for everything that seems like it might work, there's also some kind of risk attached to it. And that's almost universal in medicine. So the deal with the corticosteroids is that they're the best thing around to stop inflammation. They're also the best thing around to break up collagen. So if you have a lump of collagen that's scar tissue effectively and you inject it, well, that's a good thing. It breaks up the scar tissue. But when you have an, an tendon issue, the concern is always that if you had a tear or a split in the tendon and we inject steroids into the tendon sheath, it stops the inflammation and it feels better, but it actually starts to weaken the collagen and breaks up the collagen bonds where that split has started to repair itself. And then you slow down the healing process or potentially even make it worse because then the collagen's weaker and it can split or tear more. So that is one thing that your doctor may offer to, to you. So you just need to talk to them realistically about how much it really hurts, what the concerns are, and what you're going to do once you get better. As soon as it calms down, you're probably going to go back to running. I certainly would. Um, but you have to talk to your doctor and make sure that you know, you're not going to get a treatment that could potentially make you worse later. So that's, that's the other thing. So then the million-dollar question, of course, is when should you run? with extensor tenosynovitis. Like when is it okay to actually resume running? Because if you have this problem, it's gonna be painful. I just did a call yesterday with somebody who is about to run a 100 mile trail race. They've been training a lot. 
He really wants to do the race and he just got extensor tenosynovitis. So his question was, can I run? I said, well, yeah. And so you can run. If you take the pressure off of it, if you reduce the inflammation, if you do all those things, you should still be able to do the race. And if you can get it to calm down quickly, just doing these simple things at home, the same way I explained it in the course. I'm like, if you do all this stuff now, and it calms down and it doesn't hurt, why not do your race? I would definitely do the race. And, but you have to know what to do in order to take the pressure off. Well, aside from those things, that's one scenario. It's like where you really want to do the race anyway. Well, you, you know, reduce the inflammation, reduce the pressure and mechanical irritation, the aggravation of the tendon sheaths, and then you can run. But if you are trying to return to running, you don't want to flare it up. So, okay, let's talk about another scenario. Let's imagine that your race is about four months out. You know, you've been training, you've been staying fit, and you get this pain on the top of the foot and you stop running because the doctor said, well, you have to stop running, let it calm down, but you can't stop running forever. You know, as a runner, you're always getting stronger or you're getting weaker. That's it. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. So anytime you stop training completely, anytime you stop all activity, it decimates your fitness and you can't afford to do that for long. So I'm all about trying to aggressively treat things initially but then get you back to activity immediately. You don't want to wait for months. And if you have a, a sort of a mild case of extensor tenosynovitis and you decide to just ignore it and keep training, well, you're not really going to be able to ramp up the, as the way that you need. You're not really going to get as fit as you should. And you're basically just cheating yourself because you're not going to get your body's maximum fitness if you do that. So I think you really have to treat it aggressively to get rid of that swelling, get rid of the inflammation, get rid of the pain so that you can resume training first off. But, you know, it's completely different than the other approach. If you have a race right around the corner, you can do some things to aggressively reduce the inflammation and take the pressure off of the tendons and then just run through it. But you don't want to do that when you have a race that's months away, because if you do, you're just going to ruin your chances of having that race because then you're going to end up, it's still going to be hurting. It's not going to get better. It's not going to completely go away. And then that is going to wreck your training for the next several months. Better to wreck your training for just a couple of days and get it to calm down and then get back to training with full force. That's a much better approach. Okay, so last thing to talk about is what to do if you think you have extensor tenosynovitis and it's just not getting better. This is really simple. It's like all the other things I talk about. If, you're, if you know what to do, then you're gonna get better. What do I mean by that? Like if, if you know what the problem is and you know what the solution is and you do it, you're gonna get better. I saw a guy one time, he's, he's basically he's a Navy SEAL, but um, you know, I, he was telling me what he did. He was telling me about his problem. He had problems for a long time. And I said, well, there are only two possibilities here. You know, one possibility is that you have no discipline and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Of course, he laughed out loud because he's a Navy SEAL and couldn't be a Navy SEAL if he didn't have lots of discipline. Um, so the other possibility, is you have the wrong diagnosis. That's not what's causing your problem. You're doing all the right stuff for the wrong thing and you're not getting better. And it's true of extensor tenosynovitis. Well, you know, if you treat it like a stress fracture, it could actually take a very, very, very long time to get better. It's not really gonna get better. And that's not gonna help you, right? So you've got to let it calm down and you gotta heal it, but you gotta heal it doing the right stuff. It's a different structure. It's a different thing. It's not gonna respond to the same stuff as arthritis in the joint or a stress fracture or the other things that can seem like it's extensor tenosynovitis. So the first thing you need to do when you have extensor tenosynovitis and you are not getting better is go see somebody and get a second opinion. You can get a second opinion online. You can, you can even go through the extensor tenosynovitis course where I show you exactly how to diagnose it yourself, how to treat it yourself. 
But if you're not getting better, even if you've done the course, if you're not getting better, you probably have the wrong condition. You need to like reassess. You need to get an expert to give you a second opinion and get some input from somebody that knows what they're talking about to help you figure out, okay, well, is it one of these really subtle things where it just seems like extensor tenosynovitis and it's something else? And if it is, then you've got to do something else to try to get it to calm down as quickly as possible. So now you ought to know what to do with extensor tenosynovitis. You ought to know what to do when you have uh, an event right around the corner, you know, get it to calm down and then see if you can take the pressure off of it, see if you can relieve the friction and then go do your race. And if you're concerned that it's just started and you've got a race four months away, you know that you should immediately really aggressively treat it, get it to calm down and then go do that race. And if you're not sure, you need to do something, either do something like the extensor tenosynovitis self-diagnosis course um, or do a virtual doctor visit to figure out whether or not that's really your problem. You've just got to make sure that you're on the right path. You don't want to waste any time monkeying around, you know, treating it like it's extensor tenosynovitis when it's actually a stress fracture and vice versa. You've got to know what the problem is. But as long as you know what it is, you can easily fix it and keep running. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.